Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest. I'm being joined by uh, Hayward Evans today, uh, the co-convener of the Seattle King County Martin Luther King Jr. Commemoration Committee, because a big event happened uh, last, um, well, Monday, the 21st uh, on President's Day. But we're going to start right away because our first guest has limited time. He's a very busy person. His name is Christopher Williams. He's the acting superintendent of the Seattle, City of Seattle, Seattle's Parks Department, and he's board chair of Together Washington. Uh, and I know that's quite a bit of heavyweight lifting that he has to do. So I'd like to, Christopher, if you could start off just by giving our listeners a couple of minutes about your background, how you rose to such prestigious heights uh, in your career, uh, both in your uh, business acumen as well as uh, your social uh, acumen. So go right ahead, sir. And thank you for being here. All right. Thank you so much, Mr. Ryan. Thank you to my friends at the NAACP. Uh, the award was quite an honor, and, and it's a pleasure to be on your show. I am a product of the Seattle Park and Recreation System, I frequently tell people. I was a kid growing up in Seattle. I played on the athletic fields. I was one of those kids that the Seattle Park Department strives to reach. Um, I went to school locally here. I graduated from Chief South High School and went back to Columbia University and graduated from there and joined the Marine Corps and spent uh, eight years as a uh, officer in the Marine Corps. And uh, boy, lo and behold, I came out and went to school some more and uh, worked at Boeing for a while. And eventually 30 years ago, got a job at Seattle Park and Recreation and have been there uh, in various capacities as a division director, as a deputy superintendent, and frequently as an acting superintendent, a role that I am blessed to be in right now. So uh, through the course of that career, it has put me in touch with some uh, people that I have been fortunate to meet who uh, are doing creative things. And Together Washington is certainly one of those creative ventures that I've had an opportunity to be connected to. You said that you followed, you went out to uh, uh, Chief Self High School, another outstanding athlete who deceased uh, a few years ago, Willie Williams. Oh, yes. And yeah. he also, did he also go to Columbia as well? Uh, no, I don't think he went to Columbia, but uh, I had heard of Willie Williams and certainly he is a legend at Chief Self. He's yes. a legend in the community, too. He's an outstanding servant of the people. That's right. As well Princeton as University. He went to Princeton. Princeton. Yeah, okay. Princeton. Thank you, Hayward. It clarifies. Yeah. But, uh, so why don't you just tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, Hayward worked closely with uh, Tony Butler. We're going to have him on later in the program with IBEW, uh, okay. a labor union, uh, uh, 46. And uh, so uh, the folks work real well together. And I want to see at this time if, Hayward had uh, more interaction. I mean, it was really a pleasure to see you at this um, uh, Seattle MLK Commemoration Committee's event on the 21st to receive uh, the, the Reverend Paul Benz Award for your public service. So thank I want to see if Hayward had any questions or comments he'd like to follow up with. Well, Chris, first, thank you for being here and congratulations on your award. Thank you so uh, much. Very, very, very well deserved. And again, you know, and I, I went to Chief Self, even though during the time of integration, they transferred me to Ballard. Yeah. And, but I but I knew Willie Williams. I had the honor okay. to live with him. So I'm glad to hear that that, that, that you are from Chief Self. Uh, yeah. I want two things. I want first, can you share with the listening audience about Together Washington? What is it? What does it do? And, and because I do know, I want you to address the issues of uh, macro and microaggression and how the how Washington together addresses that okay no i think those are good questions so a big picture explanation for together washington this is a group of community lead of community leaders faith-based leaders uh, business leaders government leaders uh all coming together to uh, uh facilitate discussions and to create a space for discussions in our community that divide us, right? Some of them are race-based, some of them are class-based, some of them are the way we perceive law enforcement in the community, but there are these division lines or fault lines in the community 
that just divide people, right? And there is rarely an opportunity for people to come together and have a civil discussion uh, with some guardrails and some rules around how do we find some common ground for the common good? You know, and this recognizes that we all have things in our families and our personal lives that we care about. We care about uh, our children. We care about uh, our jobs, employment. And we know that some of these tension points make it difficult for people to live in the community, right? Um, you mentioned, you know, sort of this macroaggression, microaggression, you know, I think Seattle has uh, a unique kind of niceness to it, right? Where, put another way, you know, uh, Seattle has been accused of uh, having people who are more comfortable smiling in your face and saying something behind your back, maybe, right? You know, we hear a lot of that, right? So anytime we can have straight up conversations and facilitate space so that there are no microaggressions, right? You know, uh, look at me as an adult person and tell me how you feel about an issue in a way that I can hear you and respect what you have to say. That is not, uh, uh, that doesn't use microaggression to get a point across, right? Because that steals people's dignity and people recognize that and they see that. So I think Together Washington is really about, you know, how do we bring together people that have goodwill, which is a common desire to do good in the community and to benefit everybody, to have a big, bold discussion with uh, other people in the community who may be on the same side of an issue or another side of an issue. And, you know, if we can reach one person and change their mind, I always say you don't have to change the world, but if you can change the mind, the heart and mind of the person sitting next to you, right? Imagine the influence that that person has. So, you know, it really is about, you know, we can't change everybody, but we might be able to change the heart and mind of one person, right? And they can replicate that. And then they tell somebody and particularly people that have impact with you. So, you know, uh, having people like Governor Dan Evans, uh, Tim Gatos, the uh, brainchild and CEO for this, uh, Michelle Merriweather from the Urban League. There are lots of leaders engaged in this effort, uh, all with the goal of let's make Seattle and Washington a better place to live for everybody. And let's err on the side of being inclusive because we've had too much exclusion, right? So let's include people when we have these hard conversations. Uh, Chris, since uh, Mayor uh, Bruce Harrell is listening, let's uh, close out the interview with the status of the Seattle Parks Department right now. And are there any issues with homeless camps in Seattle, uh, city of Seattle Parks? Well, yeah. So um, uh, we are working very closely with the new mayor. We have a lot of confidence. You know, I'll tell you a story. Mayor Harrell came to a staff meeting here a couple of days ago, his first time meeting with the employees of the Seattle Park and Recreation Department. And he came in there with so much energy, uh, so much positivity, and so much big vision for our department about thinking outside of the box, looking at new ways to solve problems, uh, having our community centers being used for different uh, uses beyond just sport activities for young people. So you had 900 staff or 900 park and recreation employees that were really energized by what the mayor had to say. And it's been a long time since we've had a mayor who has uh, made Seattle Parks a top priority. And we're just really happy to be working with Mayor Harold. Uh, I just want to add a final comment in terms of uh, what do you see it has to be changed. And what can the mayor help you do a better job with Seattle Parks? Oh, so I so I think the mayor is already uh, uh, working with us on the uh, park district. So the voters approved uh, Metropolitan Park District in 2014 that provided funding dedicated to Seattle Parks. The mayor has, you know, new mayors are busy. I've been around Seattle government for a long time. And I know that new mayors step in and they have you know, a million priorities they have to address. This mayor has made a decision to work on parks funding 
immediately. So we're working with the mayor's team on the Metropolitan Park District. And as you know, funding is key to everything, right? It's key to serving youth and youth programs, to mentoring, to uh, addressing our maintenance issue, to restoring our parks to a pre-pandemic state. So uh, I would say that, um, you know, just having the mayor focus on our public park system has been really helpful. Well, Christopher Williams, uh, really appreciate you. And once again, congratulations for being a recipient of the Seattle King County Martin Luther King Commemoration Committee's uh, Reverend Paul Benz Award. Who's Thank retired. you so much. He's retired from Faith Action Network, but he's still lobbying on our behalf. He's one of the reasons why we were able to get the McKinney Center, which was formerly the OIC building. So just wanted to share that with you. So okay. thank you very much. We thank you so much for the invitation. Have a great day. Okay, then. Thank you very much. Yeah, bye-bye. Okay, uh, Hayward, uh, there were a number of folks that received awards. I think we left here from uh, former state representative Peggy Maxey at any minute. Do we have uh, Peg, uh, representative Maxey up, Eric? Okay. So anyway, why, Hayward, why don't you run down the list of the folks who received uh, rec, uh, rec, uh, who received awards from the CLK MLK Commemoration Committee? Well, you know, thank, thank you, Eddie. First, I, I just want to start with uh, again, we were very appreciative of everybody who participated and got, got the program. Oh, excuse me, got the program going. I want to thank Charday who co um, uh, co emceed with you, Eddie. Charday Moore was absolutely excellent from the Seattle Martin Luther King. Uh, organizing coalition, but our award recipients for uh, 2022 uh, Black History Month was the number one, 1971, Black woman state representative, our own Peggy Maxey. And for the young people here who weren't around then, you really need to listen to her. She's, she's accomplished so much on behalf of our community, but Peggy Maxey got the Williams Owens Bush Award. For those who don't know Washington State Black history, he was the first African-American elected to the state legislature. And it's the bill that he wrote that established a Washington State Agricultural University, which is now Washington State University. This is a good bit of trivia, but, but uh, uh, Peggy Maxey got that award. And then we have uh, King County Council member uh, Gamai Zahali. And Gamai got, uh, and he was the first African, African-born elected to the King County Council, and he received the Larry Gossett, everybody knows Larry, the Larry Gossett Servant of the People Award. After that, April Sims, April Sims, Washington State Labor Council, the first black person to be secretary treasurer of the AFL-CIO in the state of Washington, highest ranking black ever in history is April Sims. And for those who don't know her, she's, she's a tough lady. She's on the redistricting for the state of Washington. But anyway, she got the Tyree Scott and Beverly Sims Award. And all y'all should read about them so you know about the history of the labor movement here in the state of Washington. But that's uh, Tyree Scott and Beverly okay. Sims Award. Okay, hey, what I'm going to see. Do we have Representative Peggy Maxey on yet? Uh, this is Peggy Maxey. Oh, well, welcome, welcome. Hey, we're just talking about the awards you received and the fact that you were the first African-American female to be elected to the state house in Washington state. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to have you just talk a little bit about, uh, cause once you got elected, you didn't stop your education either. You continued to go to graduate school. I think the school of social work. So why don't you share some of your history with our listeners? Okay. Yeah, I was, uh, uh, elected, uh, 1970, um, and at the time, uh, we, we had a uh, black senator, Senator George Fleming, um, and uh, um, your seatmate was Republican, right? No, uh, Senator Fleming was a Democrat. No, I was talking about the, the seatmate in the legislature. Right Michael now, K. Ross? Um, uh, well, uh, Kristen Harris, uh, Talley, and Sharon Santos are the representative, uh, and currently when, when, um, when I was, um, elected, 
I was pretty much on my own, and I had to um, get through the maze um, uh, by myself. Um, and um, issues, I pretty much um, followed the direction of what the district needed, and um, was able to get a few things uh, through. And towards the um, uh, end of my uh, session, there was a redistricting. They tried to redistrict me out, but they did not succeed to do that. Um, so um, that's basically where it's at. So what, what would you say your most proud moment was as a member of the State House of Representatives in Olympia? Well, I was able to, uh, I was appointed chairperson of the House Higher Education Committee and was able to uh, get items through and was able to stop items. So, um, uh, that was about it. Yeah, that was a tumultuous time in the black community with the demonstrations and protests and everything. Did you get any pushback of uh, 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 any kind of uh, anger expressed to you by your some of your colleagues further to the right? No, I, I did not. Uh, if I did, it did not penetrate. Well, you're a Maxie, that's for sure. <laughs> so what would you advise, uh, what would you advise uh, individuals listening to the program that might be interested or have sons, daughters, brothers, or sisters that might be interested in running? What would be the key thing you would tell them? Uh, the key thing is to um, be prepared to um, uh, focus on the issues that you your constituency um, provide you and to stick with those issues and be accountable to your constituents. And um, I think that will uh, um, help you serve uh, your uh, district longer. So if you have that in mind, uh, so not to get caught up in the politics of trying to keep up with uh, either the Senate or any other House member. Try to focus on what your constituents need. Okay, I'm going to give Hayward Evans has been the most active in the 37th Legislative District and Democrats for Diversity and Inclusion, so I'm going to give him the last question. Oh, thank you. Th uh, thank you, uh, Representative Maxey. Truly, you should yeah. be incorporated in the Seattle, minimally, the Seattle history books. All these young folk need to know you. And I was so, so um, glad that you were there and you attended the event and you were able to accept the award. Now, I, my understanding is you were known for really pushing voters' rights and getting more women involved in the electoral process and becoming candidates. Can you can you speak to that issue? Uh, you you are emphasizing the workshops that. Um, what are what are you asking me? I'm asking you about uh, what you did in Olympia in terms of legislation to help promote women to become more involved in the electoral process. Right, but uh, it's not just being a woman, but um, being a woman with uh, with um, uh, issues that um, are relevant to the the district, yes. to the, the constituency. So um, it's not just being a woman, but being um, a woman of substance. And uh, well, I just wanted to share because of your substantive 
do substantive work, it went beyond our district. I beg your pardon, I couldn't hear you. Because of your great work, I believe it went beyond our district and influenced other districts. Because so I just want to thank you. Okay. Reverend Peggy Maxey, thank you for attending the MLK Commemoration Committee's event on the 21st. And thank you, although I did uh, jump in front of Representative Kirsten Harris Talley by introducing you before she formally did. It was good to see you and her there together. And I know there are uh, uh, pics of you and her on Facebook right now. So thank you very much, uh, Representative Peggy Joan Maxey. We appreciate hearing from you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Eric, we'll take a break and come back with our next guest. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill in the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Seattle, Tacoma, Antwerp? That's right. We're streamed worldwide on our app and on the web at 1150kknw.com. Hey, what happens? They ride back at Urban Forum Northwest. Our next guest is a very valuable person in our community. Uh, his name is Tony Butler. He is uh, the, uh, uh, the business representative for IBE, IBEW 46LU. He also is a pre-apprenticeship uh, liaison. Uh, for the union and uh, he was responsible for uh, putting up the lights for Black History Month and Martin Luther King um, Jr. Memorial Civil Rights Park. So Tony, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest and take a minute or so and just tell our listeners about who you are and how you got to the certain heights you got to. All right, well, thank you Eddie for uh, having me on this afternoon and um, it was a, definitely a great opportunity and a pleasure to be able to take part in that uh, community service project. Uh, I want to say thank you for Hayward for putting that invite out to our organization. Uh, we took great pride in being able to get out there and do some good work. Um, and even though it took two two separate days, I'm glad the work got done. Um, and, it, and it wouldn't have been possible without the help from the Parks Department. Um, the senior electrician with the Parks Department, whose name is Ryan, uh, Justin Brazosa, He's our intern here, but he was also the crew lead out there for those two days, and he, he definitely made it happen. And um, we also had a new one of the pre-apprenticeship programs that we're partnered with. Um, their women's co uh, cohort was out there working hard with us. Um, they definitely were excited and about the opportunities that, that um, they were given to, to actually get out there and, and do some electrical work that they had never previously done. And so uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful day, um, days. And also a shout out to our apprentices and trainees with the with the local who also came out to to give a helping hand and they had nothing but positive things to say about it and so that's um, so we say thank you for for asking us to come out and be a part of that um, of that project. 
Yeah, we have to all praises go to Hayward Evans on that. Why don't you just let, uh, give our listeners a little idea how you got to be where you are? All right. Well, um, my uncle actually invited me to come out here to, to Seattle eight years ago. I was uh, working at Homeland Security, and um, he, he knew I was looking for a career change. I was uh, um, just kind of in, in a position where I needed to make some changes. And he said, hey, you have a background in electronics, so why don't you try your hand at, at the IBEW? And so... So I came on out and I, I went through the process and um, I was able to, to, to get accepted into the uh, electrical apprenticeship as an inside wireman. Um, and from there, from day one, you know, I had Sean Bagsby, which is a business manager for Local 46. He was kind of in my corner um, as a mentor and a person I looked up to. And, um, and he kind of guided me through that, through that process. And, um, and so I have a lot to thank to, to him and as well as the IBW for, for holding me down to be through these years. They weren't always good years, but, you know, uh, we made it yeah. through, and here we are today um, as a business representative. Um, but, yeah, it started off as an apprentice and then moved on to foreman, and then I was asked to come on up and, and represent the, the local um, as a representative um, just just a year and a half ago. So, uh, so that yeah, well, was great. the process. It was fairly, fairly quick, but it, it can happen like that. Uh, well, you know, I when you mentioned IBW, I recall uh, – uh, Tyree Scott, United Construction Workers Association, uh, uh, also Todd Hawkins. I think they were both electrical folks. And you had the Michael Woos and Roberto Maestas and the whole uh, rainbow coalition of folks fighting at that time to get blacks and five building trade unions even had to go to district court uh, to get a decision to make it happen. When the court funding ran out, so, so did uh, the program. But uh uh, Hayward, do you have uh, any comment or question for uh, for uh, Mr. Tony Butler? Yeah, Tony, first let me thank you. And thank you for having those young people out there. It was truly great meeting them and to see their enthusiasm putting up the lights. So, you know, this is the first year, and so we have you on the calendar for next year just so you know it. Now, now you brought Oh, thank you. Now, you brought out a gentleman, Greg Grinnell. Now, he was taking pictures and stuff, and you were putting together, I think it was a, a promotion for your pre-apprenticeship program. Is that correct? That is correct, yes, and also just to show our our members the work that was being done out there. So we, we like to keep our members educated on the work we're doing out in the community as well. So. Well, okay, so now how can we encourage you? How can we get other young people who like to follow in your footsteps uh, involved in the, in the union or get them into the electrical program? What are the steps they need to take now? That's a great question. Um, so they can actually come down to the hall, um, the IBW local, local 46 hall located in Kent, and on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. to sign up for entry-level positions or just to get information about how to join the union. And, and, and for us, it, it mainly starts at that entry-level position, at that installer position or stockman position, and those positions lead to apprenticeship opportunities. Um, mm -hmm. You just need that relative work experience, but that's where you start off at is, is, is those entry-level positions. So that's every Tuesday and Thursday from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. down here at the Tony, home. before we go, could you please share any uh, contact information for listeners that might be interested in pursuing that lead? Absolutely. They can um, actually go to our um, Local 46 website. Um, let me see if I can pull that up for you real quick. Um, that's the best way to, to, to get the information you're going to need. So that will be IBEW. 46.com and also okay. you can check out our apprenticeship website which is psejatc.org okay hey thank you tony thank you very much man and thank you and the crew for helping the clmlkcc uh celebrate black history month we look forward to working with you guys in the future if there's anything we can do uh moving forward please let us know so thank you very much tony we appreciate you oh thank you eddie thank you Hayward. Thank you, Tony. Okay. okay, our next guest is Tisha Marie, founder of Legally Black. And I go, she goes out of sight of Pierce County, but I know every time I look on TV or something, she's doing some good work for, on behalf of the people in Pierce County. So Tisha Marie, I'm with uh, Eddie Rye and Hayward Evans. And I know that your last venture was, I think, last Sunday. You went out uh, to a lady's house, I think it might have been in Parkland, and where she had racist graffiti painted on the garage. So why don't you take a minute and tell people about yourself and let's talk about Legally Black. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, hello, Hayward. 
Um, so yes, my name is Tisha Marie. I'm the founder of Legally Black, which is a nonprofit organization uh, based here in Tacoma, uh, made up of law-abiding citizens and community of all identities, helping to close the gap of racial disparities in all governed areas of our society for the best interest of Black and Indigenous people of color. Uh, we have a zero tolerance for uh, verbal, uh, written, and um, institutionalized racist bigotry. So we try to make it a point to highlight any of those um, occurrences and create remedies so this doesn't happen again. Um, the incident you're talking about took place in Parkland um, on February 23rd, where um, some people or a person, identity still unknown, uh, wrote uh, move effing N-word on a black elderly woman's home on her garage door in red spray paint. Um, I caught the news um, through social media, actually. A local uh, journalist, the Tacoma Bureau Chief for King 5 News, Lionel Donovan, did a story on it. And I saw it on Instagram and immediately um, activated everybody that I knew, reached out to the Black Panther Party, New Generation 2.0, um, Tacoma Mutual Aid, uh, Laser, which is Lawyers Against Systemic Racism, and uh, the NAACP. Let them know what I found on social media, shared the post and told them, hey, we need to do what we can when we can, how many of us are available to do um, patrols just to make sure that this woman is safe. Um, I went to the house to introduce myself, told her a little bit about me and asked what we could do to help her. Um, professionally, I'm a real estate broker, so I offered um, any any assistance that she needed in that in that um, space. And what was really great is seeing the community come together, the Black Panthers and members of the community did patrols that first evening. Um, I reached out to the Pierce County Sheriff's Department um, and they dedicated a few officers to do patrol the next night. Uh, then reached out to um, council members, Marty Campbell and Jenny Hitchens and seeing if they had any access or any availability to be present to take a stand and see what they're, kind of put them in, in a corner. Like I knew that they were focused on diversity and equitable changes um, but I wanted to give them an opportunity to prove that to the rest of the community also. And I was really pleased to see that they came through. Um, and then with the other organizations I mentioned, we all pulled together and I said, let's get something going. We need to paint this garage over. Um, nobody should have to see this. And actually it was the neighbor across the street who saw it first, um, who's also a black woman. And uh, obviously it doesn't have to happen to you for it to impact you. Um, so given what we do as a, as a community, what we do as an organization and our duty as citizens in this place, it was important that we took some active steps to help remedy the situation, even if it's just a temporary fix so people don't have to see that in the neighborhood, but also addressing the fact that this is a traumatic experience for this woman and anybody nearby. Um, so making sure resources are available, um, that she has people she can reach out to. That was the most important thing for me, not necessarily finding out who did it, but making sure who it was done to knows that they are supported. And uh, how can people access information about Legally Black? Uh, please, you can go to our website, wearelegallyblack.com. You can also find us on Instagram at wearelegallyblack underscore. Um, and then on Facebook as well. Our name is Legally Black, but all of our social media platforms say we are in the beginning just to identify who we are. Um, but yeah, follow us there. You can subscribe to our newsletter. Um, we try to push that out um, every couple of months so you know what's going on. But we're always active on social media platforms like Instagram and Facebook just to keep everybody up to speed. Um, and we'll have some more events coming soon. The biggest thing that we do is our annual Juneteenth Gala. Well, pretty soon, I hopefully we can go back to meeting uh, on Saturday mornings at the Color Women's Club with the yes, yes. Black Collective. Absolutely. I would love that. So I want to see if uh, my colleague Hayward Evans has any questions or comment for you, Tina, Tisha Marie. Tisha Marie, first, thank you for being here with us. You know, um, listening to what you're saying is absolutely needed, so I'm so glad that you founded this organization. Uh, given the fact that the critical race theory is, is, is really uh, being pushed down by certain elements of our community, then the RNC, they, they just don't want to talk about January 6th and the mm -hmm. insurgency and them coming up saying it was um, legitimate political discourse. What's your feeling and, and do you see the macro and micro aggressions taking place more since January 6th now? Well, I think that that's a great question. First of all, um, worldwide, there has been historical um, 
historical moments and opportunities to ingrain the suppression of black people. Right. So we see that throughout the world, not just here in America. And we're seeing that right now with everything that's happening in, in Ukraine. Um, so I think that it is it makes sense that people are identifying it and noticing it now. Um, but this is not new. I don't think it's new. Um, the microaggressions are obvious and apparent. Um, what needs to happen is people in authority in authority positions need to condemn this act. Um, and it doesn't take much. You know, there's not a lack of ability. It's a lack of moral clarity. You know, making sure people who are in these positions of power have moral clarity and our understanding of the impacts things like this have on our population, on our people, not just black and brown people. But this also impacts the white community also, because um, there's some people who want to make a change, but they're afraid to um, not making excuses for them. But I do think that um, having incidences like this paint a very, a very clear picture of where we are as a country. Um, I hope this answers the question, but there's really no, there's no way to fix what has already happened, but we can have forward movement to repair it so it doesn't happen again. Well, Tisha Marie, what I'd like to find out is if you could share with our listeners some of the other instances that uh, Legally Black has been involved in or has challenged authority figures in behind discrimination and racism. Absolutely. I mean, today is a perfect day. Today is the two year anniversary of the murder of Manny Ellis, who is a uh, unarmed black man here in Tacoma, gunned down, uh, killed by it's not gunned down, excuse me, killed by police here in, in Tacoma. Um, and these officers were on paid administrative leave this entire time. Um, our mayor at one point said she thought that they needed to be fired. Um, our city manager had made comments about um, alluding to the same thing. However, no action has been taken to condemn these officers, to provide actual discipline that sends a message to the community that we stand together and we do not approve of um, unlawful deaths by police officers. Um, that's one thing that I can speak to specifically just because, you know, we're, today is the anniversary of that death. Um, the other thing is we see so many racial disparities from economic development, and you can look at the infrastructure here in Tacoma alone where the city budget, where they place their money. We have areas like on, on the east side and hilltop where the infrastructure doesn't even support the, the vital needs of the people in those spaces. So what Legally Black does is we encourage civic engagement. We encourage people to um, pay attention to what's going on in local government because all of these things do require a vote of the people. But if more of us do not vote, the people who are voting are the ones who are making sure this impacts them most. Um, so that's one way that we we try to draw awareness and, and bring attention. But the biggest thing I would recommend, um, and I, I'm proud to say with Legally Black, is we don't just highlight the issues, we propose solutions to them. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people may fall short sometimes, is we can talk all day long about what bothers us and what annoys us and what is continuing to keep us down as a people. But if we're not bringing credible and 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 realistic resolutions and proposals to the table, you know, we're, we're not actively contributing to our growth forward as a people. So that's one thing I can say that I'm very proud of with this organization. And uh, people can go to your website and get information because I tell you right now, as far as I'm concerned, we can do some copycatting. Whatever works in one black community can work in the next one. So exactly. teacher, I want to thank you, Teacher Marie, I want to thank you very much for your time today and with uh, the work you're involved in, people need to hear your voice and Urban Forum Northwest will definitely be a platform for you. So when things come up, let me know in advance. If you have an event or something coming up, let me know so uh, I can get it on the air and uh, to make sure people know what's, what's going on. Because if they have the information, they might show up. And right now, uh, they know if they show up for whatever you're working on, it's going to be worthwhile because you've really done an outstanding job. So, Tisha Marie, thank you very much. And talk thank to you, you again real soon. Me. Thank you. All right. Okay, uh, Eric, we're going to take a break and come back with uh, Bob Armstead, the National Association of Minority Contractors, NAMC Washington Chapter, Washington State Civil Rights Coalition, and All Out Justice Seeker. So we'll come right back after this break. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community, and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, 
especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk 1150. All right, Eddie right back at uh, Urban Forum Northwest with Hayward Edmonds today. Our next guest is Barb Armstead, uh, who is uh, with the, on the national board of the National Association of Marine Contractors. And uh, is a, a, there is a meeting today of uh, the Washington chapter of the National Association of Minority Contractors. If you're in business, if you're a contractor, if you're IT, if you do anything and you're, it's your business, you might want to listen to it in terms of supporting minority contractors. And we're really concerned about the black contractors and black businesses because the non-disparity studies say we're being discriminated against. So Bob, why don't you give us an update on where things are? Okay, uh, Eddie, and thanks for for having me on. Um, Brief update for everybody about uh, what the National Association of Minority Contractors is. It's a trade association that has been in existence for 53 years. Uh, It is a national organization that has uh, chapters through states uh, throughout the United States. And Washington State uh, has a chapter as well. It's called the uh, NAMAC Washington chapter. Uh, That chapter uh, started, uh, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago. Uh, and it came about uh, because there was an interest in having a chapter in Washington State. Fred Anderson at the time was traveling to Oregon to, uh, to attend NAMAC meetings. And he spoke with me about uh, starting a chapter here. I had a conversation with you and Grover Johnson. The two of you had uh, trade association uh, groups of uh, contractors that were meeting on different days. Uh, Your group here in Seattle, Grover's in Tacoma. We got together and discussed about bringing the groups together so that there could be one meeting location, everybody would be together, and we could all advocate together to uh, improve conditions for uh, construction contractors uh, in Washington State. What a lot of people do not realize is that Seattle has been involved with NAMAC since the 80s. And uh, NAMAC National has a uh, group of of contractors that they call their Hall of Fame members. And that one of the first National Hall of Fame members came from Washington State, from Seattle, Jim Takahashi. Uh, people do not realize. Jim Takasaki. You know, Takasaki, I'm sorry. Uh, how far back, you know, the Seattle and Washington State goes with NAMAC, or how far NAMAC goes with Seattle and Washington State. Uh, you remember Hank Rooney? Uh, Hank and Jim were, you know, leaders of the NAMAC back in those days. 
uh, things happened. And, you know, that chapter kind of uh, dissolved. But, you know, we, we brought it back. And so there's a long history of NAMAC and Washington and the Seattle area. And we are determined to keep that alive, that there will be no more lapses. Uh, currently with NAMAC, there was a number of resignations from the, uh, the local chapter board and the remaining uh, board members got in touch with the national chapter. Uh, the national chapter requested that the four founding members become involved with the chapter again so that we could bring it back and build it beyond where it was before. Uh, we have all committed to do that. Uh, there is a meeting today at five o'clock. It will be a virtual meeting. Uh, you can get information by going to www.namc-wa.org and get uh, the information on how to access and become a part of that meeting. But as you know, Eddie, and you can briefly tell people about the organization that you had that folded into uh, NAMAC, uh, there is opportunity, demand, and need. Uh, our community has suffered horribly since the misinterpretation of I-200 23 years ago. And we need to help to rectify those damages. We also need to help our community prepare for the infrastructure monies that's coming out of Washington, D.C. as part of the Biden administration's uh, infrastructure plan. Uh, there's also uh, billions of dollars of COVID relief money related to construction that's coming out of Washington, D.C. We have to make NAMAC strong so that NAMAC can advocate to all of the agencies that are going to be recipients of that money so that we have inclusion uh, at and beyond the levels prior to 1998 and we get out of this current uh, problem of having one or less percent, you know, of the uh, dollar spent in our community. Well, you know, um, the governor signed a affirmative action uh, executive order. He rescinded uh, Governor Gary Locke's directive 98-01 that killed affirmative action in 1998. Uh, I'm just thinking uh, the next big project was the West Seattle Bridge. And after the governor signed the executive order, restoring affirmative action, it was a 2% goal. So uh, with this new money coming down, will we have the same situation where majority contractors can turn minority contractors into front companies? Because, you know, that did happen. And that's one of the reasons why we saw several billion dollars go through the hands of three or four companies that didn't create 10 jobs. So hopefully we, we can avoid that uh, catastrophe again. And, and part of the, the real, real uh, continuing damage, such as that 2% uh, goal on the West Seattle Bridge, is that the is that WASDOT Office of Equal Opportunity, which is supposedly the organization that is uh, not only protecting, but out engendering uh, business for our organization, they approve that goal. So we have a situation where we have to help uh, everyone to understand what the rules and regulations are. The fact, as you stated, that uh, 9801 is no longer in effect, that Governor Inslee has issued three executive orders that have put in place the opportunity uh, for agencies to do things that they could have always done, but they thought that they could not because of I-200. But we have to have an organization like NAMAC that's out front continuously reminding and prodding those agencies 
to do what the law requires that they do. Well, you know, uh, I was told that uh, there is no monitoring to ensure certain people are on the job. Uh, the prime contractors are pretty much telling people where to go and what to do. Uh, we had one uh, a female-owned trucking company, Grady Trucking and Excavating. I guess she got a divorce, gave the company to her husband, and now he has about $500 million worth of contracts. And I don't know how well the black truckers are doing, but uh, uh, Bob, can you uh, give share with our listeners about the meeting today and how they can access that? I was supposed to look it up, but I forgot. Okay, it, uh, it's at five o'clock today. It is a virtual general membership meeting. Uh, it starts at, uh, at five o'clock and you can get information on the meeting and how to access the meeting by going to www.namc-wa.org. Okay, we got about two minutes left, so I want to make sure that Hayward Evans gets a question or a comment in. Hey, Bob, first, it, it's glad having you here. And again, uh, is the organization NAMAC going to be developing teams to go specifically after different contracts? And then, again, hold those general contractors accountable because a lot of times people get contracts and then th that whole cash flow issue. And we've seen it kill tons of businesses. How is NAMAC going to help correct that? Well, First and foremost, NAMAC is an advocacy organization. So we uh, advocate to the recipients in Washington, especially uh, since the passage of I-200, to agencies that are the recipients of federal funding. Now that uh, Governor Inslee has signed those three executive orders, we will also be advocating for agencies to follow the directions and guidelines that are available there. Okay, Bob, um, I, I hate to cut you off, but we're out of time, and uh, we have to come back next week so we can talk about what happened at 5 o'clock today, and hope everybody got that information. But I got to give a shout-out to a few folks. Uh, first of all, we appreciate Sound Trent, Leslie Jones, Chief of Labor down there, John T. Robinson, uh, who's over civil rights, diversity, and inclusion. The Port of Seattle, me and Rice, Lawrence Coleman, Ms. Josie Reagan. The, uh, the Port of Seattle Purchasing Construction Services Office, Liz Alzir, which I will be talking to again about something else. And uh, so I just want to thank uh, my guest today, Christopher Williams, Hayward for sitting in with me, Peggy Maxey, Tony Butler, Tina Mar Tisha Marie, and uh, the last voice you heard was Bob Armstead. So uh, we're talking to you at five o'clock, Bob. All you people looking for opportunities, you can uh, get Bob's information and we can hook up at five this afternoon. So thank you everybody very much. Thank you, Eddie.